Grab a sandwich, pack, sit back, and prepare to laugh. It's Joe Dasher's podcast. Podcast. Grab a sandwich, pack, sit back, and prepare to laugh. It's Joe Dasher's podcast. Podcast. Grab a sandwich, pack, sit back, and prepare to laugh. It's Joe Dasher's podcast. Podcast. Grab a sandwich, pack, sit back, and prepare to laugh. It's Joe Dasher's podcast. Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 195 of the Junk Dash Reds podcast. I'm your host, as always. I am Tyler, and I'm wearing my Hawkeye onesie. But joining me, we have the King of the North. We have the Gables. What's up, buddy? All right. I'm at my desk, and uh, (laughs) I am really kind of questioning why I have all the lights off right now. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm doing all right. I'm just, I'm just uh, still kind of tired from the work week and stuff. I mean, all things considering, though, I've just got done trying to go through my area, see if I want to purchase anything big or anything else like that. It's like, unfortunately, because of the area I live in, a lot of the big products are normally snatched up around this time of the year because people intentionally wait until tax return time in order to try to buy the big stuff. And then you look at the store like uh, shelves and stuff. It's like, okay, everything's depleted. Oh, hey, there's a PS3 for $150 that I have not touched for the past year or something like that. Yeah, let's buy three of them. You know, just all that type of shit. <laughs> uh, how have you been doing, Tyler? Uh, I've been doing all right. Long work week, but uh, I went out and uh, had a few drinks with friends uh, before we go. started doing this. That was nice, kind of a little break from a long, crazy couple weeks of work. Uh, but other than that, doing okay. But also joining us, we have the uh, King of the South, Westish. We have Troy. What's up, buddy? What's the business? Yeah, I'm glad you went and amended Southwest because I'm definitely yeah. not in the South. No, the everything's South all right. Just, uh, just chilling here in New Mexico. Well, Nothing much going on. You're southerner than me. so. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely like cardinally. I am south of both of you, but like the South is definitely a specific region of the united states that new mexico absolutely does not occupy well if, if jake was here he would be i'd probably make him king of the south because he's from tennessee. there you go there uh, that's that tennessee is definitely in the south yeah uh, so but you take you take the southern uh portion of this podcast this week southwest uh, yeah yeah good sauce um no but uh justin's not here this week unfortunately uh, apparently taking care of his children is more important than this podcast uh mm. so uh, obviously his priorities are not not straight um <laughs> we're gonna have to have a stern talking to yes uh i've already already planned on <laughs> I, I'm, I'm writing a script right now just to kind of give him a nice reaming too we might just like make a part of this podcast you know and, and he's gonna listen to it and then I, yeah I, right I hope I, I hope I won't feel so bad he shuts the podcast off just just dress him down right now yeah and think about what he's done he, We're getting the cement moldings ready for his feet. Yep, yep. He is. He has let us all down. We are all disappointed in him. I hope. I hope he feels terrible right now. 
while he sits there and gives his uh, kids NyQuil and cocaine. Um, but anyways, uh, that is an inside joke. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, like I said, Justin's not here. So it's just three of us this week. Um, but this is, uh, I guess, a, apparently a video game podcast. So why don't we jump into Sometimes. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Or we're not talking about um, how uh, baristas are being murdered or the weather. Um, we do that. Uh, so we're going to jump into what we've been playing this past week. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Gables. What you, you tell us what we've been playing? Okay. This is sort of like an awkward transition from like one big game to another. But over the past couple weeks, I decided to power on Mario 64. Why? It's just been the type of month where I've just really wanted to play the Wii U, especially before the Switch launch. So I went ahead and I started playing Mario 64, and I started noticing little bits inside the emulation quality of this uh, game. Now, when it comes to certain games, especially older games, if I'm playing it like uh, on like ROMs on the Virtual Console or something like that, I do not notice a lot of like graphical hitches or any type of like graphical stuff, but... Quite literally, while going through playing Super Mario 64, I've been noticing Mario, like, his polygon count. You know, like, how his uh, model is in Super Mario 64, how it's supposed to look. And all of a sudden, if he gets out of the distance or turns a certain way, it becomes, like, less pixels. Like, lesser in quality that it looks like he's kind of like a basic, like, MS... Like, he's flatter, like an MS Paint sort of, like, mess. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe not that extreme, though, but it's, like, you can notice, like, dips in, like, some of the frame quality when Mario moves and stuff. But but anyway, the reasoning why I wanted to play a bit of Super Mario 64 is because it has been close to around, I want to say, 20 years since I've, uh, since I've first played the game on the N64. Coming this April, actually, would be, like, the uh, mark the 20th, since uh, I got the N64 first on my uh, birthday of uh, 1997. And so I wanted to go through, and I wanted to collect every single star. And you know what? It's been a blast. I mean, going through, I've done playthroughs of Super Mario 64. I remember playing through the entire game in one sitting a few years ago, <laughs> which kind of, like... Uh, had me going for like five hours. <laughs> so that was literally a night that I uh, probably won't, for- I didn't forget anytime soon after that. But I went through and I had a situation and stuff where I went through the first nine worlds like relatively easily, give or take a few like mishaps inside the lava world. But uh, I went ahead and I started playing like the very last level, the little rainbow that rainbow course and stuff like that. And for the life of me, I was, I had already was playing like an hour and a half or some at this point of the game today. And I went through, I collected all the little stars and stuff and it just dawns on me. It's like, Oh, okay. I got the count right. It's like, am I missing a star somewhere? Like what, what's going on? (laughs) And uh, literally I'm going through retracing my steps in this uh, course. And I ended up finding it accidentally when I go onto this, uh, this airship, this little airship or something that's right by the, it's like right by one of the magic carpet points and stuff like that. So I go into the airship and I remember that I opened a cannon flap and stuff because when you talk to one of the pink bombs and stuff inside the course and stuff, 
you open the cannon and do all this other stuff. <laughs> oh man, I'm just imagining like some random person now just listening to this and thinking, "Whoa, what the fuck's this guy on?" But, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I ended up finding what exactly that I was looking for the missing star that I that I wanted to find. Basically, what I had to do, I just went into the cannon, and there was this, like, loop, this rainbow loop that I had to shoot out of, pretty much. So, I went through the loop, I went onto the thing, the platform that was on the other side, I collected the star that was inside one of those little question block dealies, and as soon as I jump out of the course, a little title blood, like, pops up, you know, the title of the name of the star for that particular course, and it literally said, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It's a Wizard of Oz what reference. I'm like, how the fuck did I miss that all these years? <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, I went through. I completed Super Mario 64 for, I think it's like either the second or third time I've ever done that now. Damn. And as I'm going through the ending cutscene, just for a brief, like, Couple seconds, I see Yoshi on top of the castle because I've compl- I went through and get all the stars and stuff like that. Yoshi does not appear if you like if you don't collect all the stars and stuff like that. This is the first time I actually saw him, and he actually was in place where he's actually peering down and looking at Peach and everyone else. And so I was like, God, that's fucking creepy. <laughs> you, just, you just have this polygon Yoshi or something on the top of the castle looking down. It's like, what? What's going on here? <laughs> Okay, but uh, no, there was another thing that I was playing a bit this week. During my times at work, I decided to take my 3DS, my new 3DS XL with me, and I wanted to screw around inside Pokemon Moon a bit because I wanted to see if I could somehow teach myself how to do the SOS battling stuff. So basically what I was doing is I was doing the equivalent of shiny hunting, which, in case for people who don't know, in Pokemon you can go through some random set and scenarios and stuff where you can acquire shiny Pokemon by doing sometimes mundane or even borderline like uh, stupidly hard tasks and stuff in order to acquire shiny Pokemon. In Pokemon Sun and Moon, there's something called SOS battling, which means if you get a Pokemon at its little sliver of health, it'll call for help. And so how to increase that rate is you have to use something called an adrenaline orb, which makes the Pokemon more nervous. And then once it's at a sliver of health, either by battling with it or it inflicting damage on itself, it calls for another Pokemon. So what ends up happening is every time you beat this particular Pokemon and stuff, it is uh, considered like a plus one for the chain. And so... While doing it this week, I actually got through and caught about four shiny Pokemon. It's kind of weird how it happened, though, because they're very random when they the shiny Pokemon do appear. I mean, I've had some when I did chain of 40, had one when I did like a chain of like 124 or something like that. And then I got another one that, I, that appeared after chain six. So it's like, okay, okay, this is this is kind of odd right here. I'm just purposely going through getting some of the earlier Pokemon, you know, the lower level ones, because I don't want to try to uh, do SOS battling things in the higher level Pokemon, because it's not going to work as good, because you're more inclined to get 
knocked out if, say, uh, you battle a higher level Pokemon with, say, a Pokemon's inside the 50s or the 60s or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was just something I just wanted to try offhand because I've already done a lot of other stuff inside Pokemon Sun and Moon. I've beaten the games. I've done this and did that and stuff. But I caught four shiny Pokemon during this week. Like an Alolan Meowth, I caught an Alolan Rat, like Rattata and stuff. I caught a Growlithe, which that was surprising. That was the one that only took me about six, like a chain, like a chain of plus six or something like that in order to get. And the last one I actually got this morning when I woke up, which like is one of those little rock rough and stuff. It's a blue rock rough, and that's I like that. That's just weird kind of accomplishment to like go through but what basically i've learned through going through not only the shiny hunting this week but also with super mario 64 is just i've missed the sense of accomplishment of going through and playing a game and then just completing little tasks and doing this and doing that i mean beating a game is one thing but going through and completing a game doing everything that needs to be done and then all of a sudden like not even taking too long during the week either. Maybe like a half an hour to an hour a day or something, just playing the game off and on. It's it's just been a really rewarding experience this month. I mean, at this point in time, I haven't even powered on my PS4 or my Xbox One. I've been exclusively playing the Wii U, and I'm like at 90-something hours played, I think, during this entire month. I've been keeping tabs of the time because of the whole daily routine shit, and it's like, wow, that's probably the most I've ever played this console in a single in a single month throughout the entire time I've owned the system. <laughs> wow, uh, you probably played the system this month longer than I played it combined. So, lifetime. Yeah, I know. For about the first, oh god, from launch day all the way up to around. The end of 2016, I had not even played like remotely close to what I have at the moment. I mean, I had like what 30 hours of Mario Kart 8 previously, and then so on and so forth. But yeah, that's crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's it for me, though. I'm digging the uh, kind of like the farewell to Wii U tour we're going on. We have going on with you. Well, that's <laughs> that's just the thing, man. I I've, I've owned this system. I've been distracted by other consoles and other games, and it just feels like I haven't really played the system at all. And so I'm like, fuck it. I'm getting some games. I'm playing them. I'm seeing what works and what doesn't. And hell, if it's a last hurrah for the system for me, then fuck. We'll do it. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's cool, man. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm happy you're uh, still getting enjoyment out of it. Um, yeah. I'm switching gears over to uh, Troy. Uh, switch gears, playing? yet not switch gears. <laughs> oh. So uh, <laughs> I, so we recorded last Saturday, and yeah. that morning I had played some Metal, not Metal, Mech Warrior Online um, for the Proven Gamer thousand follower Switch or it's not Switch Twitch extravaganza. <laughs> um, so today, around four p.m. or so. I thought mm-hmm. about it and realized that I hadn't played a single video game in an entire week. Actually, more than a week, because I finished that at around 11 o'clock last week. So, oh, wow. um, 
yeah, I hadn't played a single video game. So actually I decided um, I was in the middle of uh, watching some videos online. Um, I've been watching the uh, the Death From Above um, Battletech scenario kind of game thing that uh, Hyper RPG does on Twitch. Uh, Hyper RPG is Hyper huh. Rabbit Power Go, I believe is what they call it. It's a channel that... Um, it was started, I believe it was started by Harebrain Schemes, the company that, that's creating the uh, the Battletech game. But they've kind of like spun it off. It does They do the, kind of do their own thing. But a lot of the people who uh, do stuff, like do content on the on that channel, are employees of Harebrain Schemes. Uh, but also they have, you know, other people, you know, from the Seattle area and the gaming industry and stuff that, that do stuff. But they have all these themed events. They have, uh, like, uh, they do the... Uh, uh, the clicks games, you know what I'm talking about? The, they have like little figures that have like clicks at the bottom. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they do like nice. games with those and stuff. And, and so one of the things they did, they, they started last year. They've actually got a, a second season. Now uh, it's called death from above, which is a hybrid of um, Battletech and mech warrior, which huh. is the same thing uh, ostensibly. Um, they're all in the same universe. Battletech came first. It's the, uh, the tabletop game with the little mechs that I talked about last week. So what they did was they've created these 3d modeled mechs. So they're like much larger scale and they, they have this big table set up with all the, uh, the hex squares and everything like that. Uh, but they alternate. So one day they do uh, a mech warrior portion, which is the role playing game version of Battletech, uh, where they go through a scenario, they have their, uh, their DM or whatever, like go through the scenario and they're, they're doing things. And then the next episode they play out a battle you know with the battle tech pieces um on these boards and they're they're, like the scenario it's like one continuing storyline so then they play out the battle and then uh when the battle is done like during the course of the battle because like you know they're dealing damage and everything like that they actually literally like do damage to the the plastic mechs that they've like 3d printed for this so they've got a guy with like a soldering iron so it's like oh he took five laser (laughs) damage to the right torso so this this executioner will literally like take a soldering iron and like just cut into these mechs um so like they they take real battle damage and then so uh you know at the end of the battle whatever happens uh they usually have like guests playing the opposition force or whatever uh they play out the scenario and then the next um mech warrior section they actually have to go about uh repairing the damage to the mechs and that costs money uh so it's like oh well you guys only have this much money which means you can do this you can do that uh and then they'll actually go in and like like patch the mechs back up you know for the next battle but these these mechs have like gone through like crazy amounts of battle damage and stuff it's kind of crazy um, so I've been watching that the first season again because I I'd watched a few episodes of it, but kind of just time. I don't have a lot of time to do stuff like that. So today I I watched a couple episodes of that, um, and then uh, was watching the uh, Unprofessional Fridays show from Giant Bomb. But then yeah, I came to the realization it's like I haven't played any video games like in an entire week. It's been a really busy week, mm-hmm. just in general with school. Like I've got you know, group projects and, and all, all kinds of stuff just come and do. And then on top of that, like literally a week and a half from now, I'm leaving to uh, PAX East and I'll be gone from Wednesday till Monday. So I've got to kind of get all of my schoolwork kind of squared away for that trip so that I'm not like stressing while I'm in Boston, you know, trying to, Oh man, I need right. to turn in this assignment, you know, this, that, and the other. So I'm trying to get all my ducks in a row for that. So like I forewent having any of my Twitch streams this week, I'll probably forego them this, this coming week as well, just so that I can, you know, have more time to focus on, on schoolwork. 
uh, just to, to get ready for that trip to Boston. Um, but I did end up uh, firing up my Wii U. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, so I, I fired up uh, uh, Super Mario Maker, of all games. Nice. Um, oh. I just hadn't played in a while, and it's funny because I had to go search for the game. Like, I, I opened my cabinet downstairs where I have, like, a stack of, like, five or six games for all the systems that are, like, kind of the, the most commonly played games like for the wii u i had uh mario kart and smash and i think i actually had uh tokyo mirage sessions there just because i stuck it in there whenever i opened it last week when it came into the mail but uh so uh yeah i had to go find super mario maker but i was just kind of craving it i was like oh i could kick back and do some mario levels i was thinking of doing like a hunter mario challenge or something like that um so then when i fired it up i (laughs) I had to uh, reconnect my Wii U to my Wi-Fi because I had issues with my internet during, uh, I think, the last week or two, and I had to go and, like, reset all of my my, uh, router and everything like that. So I ended up changing the password on my Wi-Fi, and I didn't realize it until I went to go fire up Mario Maker, and I'm already in the game, and it's like, oh, I'm going to go to the course levels, and it's like um pulling you know downloading or whatever and it's like oh wait the internet's not connected so i was like oh crap so i had to back out of the game go to the settings you know reconnect to the wi-fi um but then when i got there like the the notifications pop up and it's like oh well we've got some new um what do they call those event levels um yeah yep yeah so i was like oh cool i'll check those out so I pop that in and, and check it out and come to find out the last time I had played a an event level in Super Mario Maker was December 2015. Damn. Whoa. So I have okay. quite a few uh, event levels to go through and play. There's so some I, good ones. Yeah, no, there, there are some pretty good ones. I think the last ones that I played were like the uh, Southwest Airlines one and stuff like that. Yep. Um, so, yeah, like I... So I fired up a couple of those. Uh, the first one I did was the Daisy level. That one was pretty easy. And then I played the uh, uh, the Luigi's Mansion one with the Professor Egad skin. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that one, <laughs> I, I died a lot uh, doing that one. So I ended up actually just finishing up that one before we started recording. So that's literally, I played two Mario Maker levels uh, in the last week. So yeah, that was that's what I've been playing. I'm really looking forward to the Switch. It's coming on Friday, so like less than a week away. My Amazon, uh, my Amazon order page shows arriving on Friday, so I'm super psyched for that. Even though yeah. I probably won't have a lot of time to play, uh, just new technology. But yeah, yeah, that's all I've been playing, man. How about right. you, Tyler? What have you been playing? Uh, I played more games, a little more. Yeah, I've had a little more gaming time than you, but it's all been pretty much Madden. So. Uh, let's see. You guys want to hear good. me talk? About... Are you just playing random Madden games or what? Uh, I, I do a franchise mode, uh, and I'm like, my, I think I just finished my ninth season of my franchise mode. So, how long does it take you to play a season? Um, I don't know if I really want to say. Uh, do you, do you hours, simulate maybe? the games, or you you play all the games? Yeah, I play all the games. Uh, about probably 25 hours. Uh, That's not bad. Yeah, 16 games in a season, then three playoff games because I never lose. Do you uh, play? So do you play like real time, like uh, what 15 minute quarters or? I I do nine minute quarters, but then like the play clock runs down to 25 seconds. Okay. Uh, so it kind of speeds the game up um, from that. But yeah, I I played that um, a lot. That's kind of like my go to. It's my it's, people might not know, and uh, I know Troy might not know, but Gables knows. Uh, Mm-hmm. That uh, it's kind of like my decompressing kind of game, where it's like uh, it's just a lot of people like they like they always play Call of Duty or whatever to kind of relieve stress. That's kind of Madden's kind of like game for me. 
So I mean, it used to be that for me. Uh, I would play full 15-minute quarters. Oh, God. And so, like, th- that was, like, back when I would recreationally smoke marijuana. No. Um, I would just kick back in my room with the lights off and just, like, smoke some weed and play <laughs> some Madden. And that was, like, my way of, like, relaxing and chilling. Uh, I haven't done that in many years. Either uh-huh. either, either part of that formula. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I could definitely relate for sure. Yeah, I, I, I put, like... 300 hours every year into Madden. So uh, cool. Well, you definitely get your money's worth out of it then. Oh yeah. It's one of those games. Like I, if I, if I paid a hundred bucks for it, I would, I would be more than okay with that every year. Um, and so, so you play what on like maximum difficulty too, or, uh, yeah, I play on the top difficulty and I still win usually by like 40 points every game. Uh, I, I just play it now. Cause I like building my, my franchise more than anything at this point. I think cool. Does, does, does the maximum difficulty give you like, a challenge or do you find yourself just like i can see everything that the ai is going to do whale before it does it or like are you one of those people who can run back and like like run circles and stuff and have the ai all chasing you and you know my cousin used to do all that stuff with the ncaa games like he'd just screw around with the ai he'd run it back to the end zone and like run up and down uh, across the field at the end zone line before he'd run back run it all the way back in for a touchdown just because it's like oh i know exactly how this ai performs you know yeah, uh, the, the AI is definitely smarter. I remember people doing that all the time back in the day. But no, it's. But I, I'm at the point now where I can like before I even snap the ball, like I'll line I'll line up and I'll look at the defense. I'm like, okay, well I'm gonna throw it to that guy at this point, uh, or I'm gonna scramble to the right by a couple seconds and then I'm gonna throw it to this guy. I know he, I know this this wide receiver is faster than this linebacker, so if he beats him in this cut route. And just wait. If I could get two seconds to throw, it. once he gets past the linebacker, it's going to be a big, big play. So, uh, so yeah, you're basically like, like on a mental level, you're like a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning. It's like you're, you're just watching the game unfold in front of you, and you know exactly what's going to happen <laughs> when it needs to happen. Pretty much, it's it's quite disgusting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's really all of it. I mean, I I played some line light, uh, maybe ten minutes more of it. It's a game I like a lot. It's just like I don't. I, I keep telling myself I need to go play that game, and then like I get caught up doing something else. Uh, I tried to play. I was, I was like six times went to go play on on Sunday, and then I got sucked up watching uh, Man in the High Castle. It's on Amazon Prime. That's a pretty good show, actually. I recommend people. I'm like five episodes into that now. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, I guess from a gameplay perspective, that's all I've been doing. Uh, but next week, next few weeks is gonna be crazy. Uh, Horizon. Does it come out? So I'm gonna to try to play that. You know, it's hard. To, it's just difficult right now with work. Uh, really get a, any real good gaming time in. Uh, more. Than oh like my god, that game! Like hour. everybody's talking about that game, and it's like, oh, you know, like we all need to get this game. And I'm like, yeah, that game looks totally dope. I was like, but like before today, I had I had played three hours of video games in two weeks, <laughs> and it's like uh, yep. somebody's like, oh yeah, you can totally like. Because, well, you know, in the other groups, obviously, you know, like, once again, the other podcast I'm on is called Trophy Whores. Yeah. So, like, kind of the idea is they, they kind of gauge things in, in platinum trophies. So it's like, oh, well, it only takes you 50 hours to get the platinum trophy. I was like, great. Well, you know, doing the math in my head real quick, it's going to take me 33 weeks to earn the platinum trophy in that game. You know, if I continue <laughs> to have the playing time that I have right now, yeah. I was like, I would rather wait till summer after, you know, graduation and maybe I've got some actual time to put on it, which will be fine. I mean, that game, I may even be able to get it a discount by then. Uh, but everything, yeah, everything, all the news and everything about that game is that it's just amazing. So I'm really looking forward to it. 
Yeah, it's definitely kind of what you said though, where it's like a Far Cry gameplay, uh, and then like the, with the obviously with the world that we know already know what it is. So that uh, I, I'm even more hyped than I thought I could be for this game. I didn't know there was a new level of hypeness for me. <laughs> uh, you cranked it to eleven. Yeah, it's definitely an eleven. It might be like fifteen uh, at this point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. It's like I got Final Fantasy fifteen. I bought that like three months ago, and it's still just sitting there. I haven't even turned it on. Uh, Resident Evil 7. I was excited for that game for like six months. I put like three hours into it, and I haven't gone back to it. So, And now we got a new console coming out, Zelda, Mass Effect, uh, and Horizon all coming out in like a three-week span. So I don't know how the hell I'm going to play any of these games. Uh, if anything, I'll have, a, I'll have a, a shit ton of stuff to do for the summer for gameplay, uh, game-wise. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Like, I mean, all of these big games, like it's like, I, they all seem amazing. Like I said, Horizon is one of those, like, coming into it, I was cautiously optimistic. I was actually, it's, it's everything from what I've heard about it, it actually exceeds all of my expectations. I wasn't expecting a lot out of this game, uh, but it's getting rave reviews from all of the, the uh, news outlets and stuff that have gotten their hands on it already. So, like, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, I'm always happy when good games come out. Like, I never want a game to do bad, but also I didn't want to get caught up in the hype you know of this game because so many times people get caught up in the hype and it just lets you down um but yeah i mean there's so many like big good huge games coming out and it's like man i just don't have the time to play any of them like uh i'm kind of like in the middle of catherine that i need to get back to you know obviously i want to wait till i get on the stream to do that because there's been people who have actually been watching me to get to this point and i'd rather not like go off on my own and finish it without finishing that up uh, but like yeah I'm, i mean little bite-sized games like the mario levels is kind of like where i'm at right now it's like well if i've got a few minutes i can just you know bust out some mario levels because i mean zelda's coming out and it's kind of fortuitous that it's coming out when it's coming out because it comes out on friday and then literally wednesday i have i'm going to spend all of wednesday you know on airplanes and in airports and then i've got pax east where a large chunk of that you know takes place waiting in lines and stuff like that other other than you know going to uh, events and stuff not events but like meetings like i've got lots of meetings that, that are scheduled so that's not going to be a problem but then you know there's you know time on the show floor you know wanting to try out games that i don't have appointments for or there's panels that i want to go to and you just i don't even think a media badge will let me skip all the lines for the panels so you know there's going to be plenty of downtime where i'm just screwing around uh so you know i i anticipate by the end of that trip to be pretty deep into zelda which will be kind of nice and it's kind of the perfect storm of of things having this new console it's portable you know to be able to take with me to, to dedicate to that you know whereas horizon you know i can't necessarily take my playstation with me i could play it in the hotel room but like otherwise it, it doesn't do me a lot of good on the trip so uh i'm looking forward to dedicating my time to zelda as the big game that i kind of and it may be the only big game that i really have time to do anything with uh, before graduation in may but i'm really looking forward to it hey guys this is tyler um unfortunately my computer decided to take a shit and uh i wasn't able to get the computer working again uh last night so i'm out for the rest of the show um but gables and troy um are salvaging on without me i have not listened to the rest of the show i'm still in the process of editing it so um hopefully it's good i imagine it will those guys are funny they're good they know what they're doing um but it'll be interesting i've never listened to the show um when i wasn't on it so it will be uh new experience for me but anyways i'm rambling i'm sorry uh i hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show um and hope i'll be back next week and my computer will decide to work with me well due to some technical difficulties on tyler's end unfortunately he's not going to be able to continue the podcast for us that means 
yours truly, the Colonel, is going to maintain the helm of this ship. And let's just get the ball rolling. <laughs> so we need to jump into uh, our topics of the week, I guess. I, I, I assume my monologue on the... Uh, the Horizon Zero Dawn and Nintendo Switch and everything like that uh, just basically caused Tyler's computer to want to commit suicide. Um, <laughs> it got too overhyped up on the Switch. Yeah, it happened, man. It's... <laughs> anyway, so we're going to jump into our first topic of the week here, which is the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, uh, yeah. which has a launch date of June 30th, and it's going to cost crap. 40 bones. Um, are you familiar with the Crash Bandicoot series at all? Oh, yeah, Crash Bandicoot. I've played... I've played a couple of the Crash Bandicoot games. The third one in particular, I've actually gone through and beat. To be perfectly honest, though, this is probably going to be my first time going through the entirety of the trilogy as I've played bits and pieces of the first. Never played the second, but I've went through the third and the entirety on the PS1. Cool. But, uh, so you're, you, you would consider yourself a fan then? Yeah, I really do like the I do like some bits of the Crash Bandicoot games. You know, I'm I'm actually openly excited for this game to come out. Just it's I've got just it's got a it. lot of hype. It does. Um, I personally don't have a lot of experience with the Crash games. I did have a PlayStation One, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess like it kind of had it, and I mean it was kind of in the the realm of all those 3D platformer games. Uh, yeah, your, you know, Spyro the Dragons and. Uh, Jack and Daxters and, you know, all of those kind of 3D platformer t- style games that kind of, you know, passed me by. I, I've played a little bit of it here and there. Um, I mean, there's the notorious, you know, scene in, in Uncharted 4 where you got to play, I guess, that might have been what is the first level of the first Crash Bandicoot game. Yeah, I imagine. it was the original... It was the entirety of the first uh, level of Crash Bandicoot, where you're just going through and just running away from... Uh, well, actually, yeah, it was the certain portion of the level where you're just running away from, like, a boulder just going, like, coming rolling towards you and stuff. It it just has that sort of, like, effect that sometimes Naughty Dog is known to do in some of their games, where they have this, either this uh, set scene or something, when some... It's kind of like a scene from Indiana Jones, you know, when he's, yeah, like, yeah. running away and has a boulder, like going towards them and stuff like that it's it's like one of those type of levels so i mean that that's probably my only real experience with the the game do the rest of the games and or the rest of that particular game like follow that same sort of format or is it does it open up more or like how did how does the play kind of work with those well yeah they do open up a bit more there's little bits of collectibles on each stage so i know for a fact in like crash bandicoot 3 you do have little little set pieces that you got to collect throughout each level and stuff to completely 100% it. Every stage is some like a little bit different. There are some that are structured like okay, some will work as a side scrolling sort of a stage aspect or something like that. There's different themes throughout like particular worlds and stuff. So one will have a particular scene like in that opening level for Crash 1, the other will be kind of structured as something a little bit differently, possibly like, say, a stealth, maybe like a little stealth mission or something like that, if I can remember correctly. I know there was like <laughs> so a I think I remember there. something about stealth. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, it's, no, it's that's bad. Cool. I haven't played Crash 3 in such a long time, but all I remember is like the little mini, this one portion of the stage where you're actually inside of like a, a motorcycle or something like that, just driving to kind of like a precursor to how they did crash team racing Yeah, in a bit. Cool. But yeah, it's sort of a diff, bit different and stuff, but let's see. So this is, As, this is definitely a buy for you then this cl- crash collection. 
Yes, most definitely. The price point's very attractive. It's only like forty bucks. Yeah, it's I mean, not too bad. I mean, wait until June is kind of a bit like nah, hit or miss for me. But at the same point and stuff, maybe they're going to have something going around that E three crash related if they're pushing it out. You know, towards that's that, like you know? pretty close to right when E three is right. Like it's isn't it typically towards exactly. the end of June? So. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's it's a cool thing. I don't I don't begrudge the games at all. Like I don't have the nostalgia that I think everybody else that I I kind of know has for these games. So yeah, like I, it's kind of lackluster to me. But I mean I I'm all about you know people getting you know kind of seminal games from their their past you know gaming experiences you know brought back to you know the new consoles with you know upgraded graphics and everything like that. So I don't begrudge anybody. Um, but yeah, I just I can't necessarily relate to the. Uh, to the hype because I never really played those games in the past. That's understandable. I kind of missed a lot of the PS one games in general, considering I adopted late into the cycle and I could only play like a handful of games that I could. Yeah. But yeah, that's, yeah, you know, back yeah. then, like you just kind of, I like you had a game that you kind of focused on. Like for me in the PlayStation one era, it was uh, the Gran Turismo games and mm-hmm. like Grand Theft Auto was definitely a series that like, you know, I spent a lot of time on, um, so yeah, those were kind of where I was at back then. Um, so yeah, I mean I it's per- cool. Let's see. I know personally and stuff. There, there were some platformers I did delve into. I really loved to play Castlevania Symphony of the Night. That was like a. It's like in the realm of like all those like platformers and stuff, and maybe some bits of like racing games here and there. But yeah, it's eh. cool. I've I've actually kind of like in. I mean, my lack of spare time with school and everything notwithstanding i kind of have like this this new resurgent to want to go back and play a lot of these games that are highly revered from the past that oh, i yeah. maybe missed out you know i've been playing through the final fantasy games um i have the uh a rare replay on the xbox one i tend to go back oh, and play yeah. uh the yeah, that's awesome. uh, the banjo kazooie games and stuff my little brother played oh. the crap out of those games back then you know on the n64 <laughs> but i just was kind of just a little bit older than that i was the only game that i was really interested on the n64 was goldeneye and i was playing the crap out of that you know oh, yeah but uh yeah so i mean it's kind of like an idea of mine is to go back and, and replay a lot of these you know missed games from my past I don't know whether or not I'll go back and play Crash. I, I, I don't know if it has that that kind of clout for me to to really care enough to go back and play. But I, like I said, I don't begrudge anybody the excitement for this game. I know it's it's one of those seminal games that people, you know, a lot of people got into gaming around that PlayStation One era. And you know, when you're at that age, you know, like that's the game that you're going to be playing as a child. You know, just the same way I remember Mario Three was that game for me. You know, when I had an yes. NES, you know, and, and Super Mario Three was the game. You know, that I yep. was out on the, you know, the the playground talking about and drawing pictures in my notebooks and all that stuff. Oh, so yeah. I, I definitely don't begrudge that for anybody. Uh, and I know Crash is that for a lot of people. So, you know, it's cool yeah. to see it. You know getting remade i just i personally am curious whether or not it's going to live up to the hype you know like i mean i know people in your mind you kind of have this like rose colored you know rose tinted glasses of how the game played because this is how you remember it and it was a huge part of your childhood i'm just afraid a lot of these people are going to play this and be like kind of disappointed you know i'd really hate to see that happen i feel i kind of feel like that uh, it will satisfy the amount of people who are crash bandicoot fans and really love that type of like gameplay that they've missed since their childhood but i don't think it's going to be readily like a like a big big seller and stuff like, like that considering hit. that a lot of a lot of the major sony ips and stuff like that if they don't sell like a, between like a certain amount like a couple of mil or something like that it's really like yeah, it's really kind of like hit and miss, though. Crash is just one of those games and stuff where it was big on the PS One, 
But because Activision had acquired that L that IP and stuff like that, and all of a sudden it's like sent out their own thing in Crash Games, it's just been sort of a complicated thing. So hopefully, hopefully this game sells enough to where it's going to gauge more interest from people. Yeah. There's yeah. kind of a resurgence of the 3D platformer, if you will. You know, you've got uh, you know the new oh, Mario yeah. game coming out on the Switch. Uh, you've got uh, what is it, uh, Ukulele, which is the spiritual yes. success for Banjo Kazooie. Like, I I feel like that genre of game kind of fell out of favor uh, for a really long time, and it's kind of interesting to see the resurgence coming back and and to have these either you know all-time classic versions of them and or uh super close spiritual successors by the original creators in the case of of ukulele i think you know that if if there's any way to kind of rejuvenate the the 3d platformer genre i think that's probably the way it's going to happen i know i'm kind of frequently going back and thinking it's like either 10 or 20 years ago and stuff when the 64 was like running strong and stuff because these 3d platformers are making a big resurgence like you're saying like not only like with ukulele but like crash Crash Bandicoot and all the other stuff, the Mario Odyssey. Yeah, it's just really awesome seeing that type of uh, gameplay just returning. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, let's go ahead and move on here. Uh, are you familiar with the Danganronpa series? Yes, I really do like the Danganronpa games. Okay, because this next one is the Vita, ex- Vita PS4 Vita exclusive Danganronpa V3 has a release date uh, set for September 26th. Um, wow. Yeah. So I, this is another series that I have not actually played. Um, I have, I guess, intentions to play it. It seems really cool. Um, kind of like the, uh, what is it? The, um, was it nine, nine, nine? Is that what it's called? The, uh, well, yes. Nine, nine, nine is one of those uh, games that are made by, I think it was made by the same developer as, the ones that do the Danganronpa. Yeah. Yeah. So like zero time dilemma, I think was the, Right? That was the last no, one. Virtue's Last Reward was the game that I played. I've got the platinum in that on the okay. Vita. Um but yeah, I mean so you know, games like that, you know, where it's kinda like a a mystery, like I mean, I I know I mentioned it previously that I've been playing through the uh Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney games and this kind of seems like yes like a crazy weird hybrid of if you took the, the Zero's is. Last Reward games and the Ace Attorney games and kind of melded them together, that's what you have with Danganronpa. Um, so, you Troy, know. basically the Danganronpa games are kind of like a mix between sort of the Phoenix Wright-style core cases along with, say, the movie Battle Royale and stuff like that, where basically you have uh, a group of students and stuff trapped inside that, like Hope Peak, like Hope Peaks Academy or something like that, trying to escape from the clutches of an evil maniacal, like kind of like bear called monokuma and stuff like that in order to try to escape this school they have to kill one another in order to try to do it but the thing is they gotta get away with it scot-free so in order to do that they gotta be proved they got to get everybody else a guilty verdict and sort of this sort of trial and it's it's crazy it's can be at times a little bit convoluted but i love the series so far because the series as a whole has Interesting story elements. It's got a lot of interesting style of like gameplay mechanics. There's more than just the the court scenes too. You're investigating crime scenes. You're going through and invest in like playing little hints and mini games. Especially when you get like the sequel to like the original Danganronpa. Yeah. But yeah, with like Danganronpa three, I'm kind of surprised that they've moved it from initial launch where it had like the beginning of the year. All of a sudden, it's way in September. I mean, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a very good thing. It would have been buried otherwise. Yeah, well, that would, so when so, was the original release date? Do you remember? Or it, was it original, just supposed to be kind of early in the year? Well, the original release date, if I remember correctly, 
I think it was either late January or possibly like around this month where it okay. should have been released. So yeah, so I mean, I mean, like obviously we know point. there's a ton of games coming out now, so it, like there's definitely a shot that that it would get buried there but also i'm kind of worried that you know being in late september they're hitting right at the edge of when games start coming out for the holiday season so there's a there's a chance it might get you know lost in the in the shuffle there but also um i do know that the first two games are being uh packaged together and re-released on the playstation 4 so um i don't know the date on that i don't actually have that that data with me but it would make sense for them to push that back until at least that package gets released so that you know a lot of people yeah, exactly who didn't get a chance to play these games on the vita can can jump into them before the the third one came up and also you know maybe that builds up more hype for it in order to get more sales than they would have got otherwise exactly i know from previous talks that i've had on the podcast with tyler that he's more and more interested in trying the Danganronpa games, especially since a few years ago, like playing through the first two games of the Vita itself, you know, kind of, uh, and like how I've speak highly of them and stuff. He's really had an interest in trying them out on the PS4 when they do eventually release, which hopefully is probably the next month or two. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a release date on that, on that package. I could probably search it up, but I don't want to, you know, click on my keyboard while recording, but yeah, I know that's, that's incoming. Um, I'm actually probably more inclined to play the first two games on the Vita, um, rather than getting the package on the PlayStation four, just because I always like it to have an excuse to, to have more games to play on my Vita. Um, but I, I definitely, it's, it's definitely a game that's, that's, on my list of things i'm i'm all about all the crazy anime shit and you know i'm enjoying ace ace attorney and i'm also you know like totally into the the you know the visual novels and and the idea of like a crazy homicidal teddy bear is just like super awesome so i definitely look forward to uh to checking this out for sure so uh the next couple items are all switch related um so the first one is the fact that there is no virtual console coming to the nintendo switch at launch um, so hmm. the, you know, as of the way we're recording, uh, we're recording on Saturday night, uh, the, the 25th. So we're literally less than a week from the switch's launch. And it's kind of interesting that a lot of details just haven't come out about this, the system. I mean, coming yes. this close to having a new piece of hardware launched, like we know very little about the system, even though this last week, a lot of the major news outlets, you know, your game stops, your game spots, your IGNs, you know, all those people have actually gotten their hands on, you know, switch consoles. Uh, even they, there's a lot of pieces of information that they don't have about these things just because yes. these, these things haven't fallen into place. But one thing we do know is there will be no virtual console at launch, uh, which may or may not be a big deal. How do you feel about it? Well, personally, it's not really much of a surprise that it's not, the virtual console is not coming out at launch only because Nintendo has said next to nothing about it in terms of like, say they normally would do something of the sort. If, if uh, it's getting closer and closer to the specific, specific launch or save a console or something like that. But let's also not forget though, that the Wii U didn't exactly have the virtual console things ready upon its launch as well. But for my personal opinion, it's like, I am really not too concerned at all that there's no virtual console at launch. It's coming eventually, but at the same point, I'm of the mind, it's like, I'm buying a new system, I want to play some new games, more or less lightly playing the new Zelda game. So, yeah, it's it's shitty, you know? But uh, what it kind of sounds like, they're probably going to probably introduce it sometime, possibly within the next six months. 
personally, maybe like around June, maybe around the September thing, just to get in, uh, just to try to prepare and stuff to like the, the holiday season, perhaps. Maybe they'll show something in E3 along the lines of uh, what maybe have like a major release and sort of virtual console content instead yeah. of like how yeah. having their slow trickle of stuff because Nintendo's notorious over the past 10 years on their Wii Virtual Console, on their Wii U Virtual Console, just releasing the sparse little games, like maybe every few and far between. Like maybe you'll have a couple N64 games one week, maybe a couple weeks go by, don't see anything major, then you have maybe Wii yeah. like content yeah. come out every week, like a couple weeks. It's just so random. Yeah, so, no doubt. I feel like there's yeah. like a lot more going on with the Switch then too as well because like there's the the rumors that the GameCube games are supposed to be on this virtual console um, that now all of a sudden the virtual console games and all of your digital uh, content is going to be tied to your user account rather than the actual console uh, which is kind of weird because the the information that's come out about it so far seems to point that even though it's attached to your account, if you happen to have multiple switches, you can't have one purchase on both switches at the same time, which seems yep. kind of crazy, kind of backwards. I mean, because if I own a game on, say, like my PlayStation 3, I own two PlayStation 3s, I yep. can easily have that game on both of my PlayStation 3s. Hell, if it's if yes. it happens to be a cross-platform game, I can have that game on both of my PlayStation 3s and both of my Vitas, you know, and, and be able to play them, you know, with no problem between all of those consoles. So it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, it's definitely a step forward for Nintendo considering in the past that whatever game you bought was tied to that particular system which I have to deal with now because while I have my Ace Attorney games that I purchased on my new 3DS XL but then I have games like uh, Super Card Jockey and stuff like that that I bought on uh, my smaller 3DS my original launch 3DS and so those games are forever tied to that 3ds and i can't yes. you know play them on the bigger screen that i'm on my new 3ds xl so i mean that's that's a real shame uh, so it's nice to see that, that the games are at least tied to your account so that if god forbid something happens to one of your systems like your switch takes a dump and you've got to buy a new one at least then you will have the option to re-download those games onto your system but i think they're losing a lot in the fact that a lot of people especially families you know which tend to be the the primary market for a Nintendo system, they may own two systems, you know? I mean, I could see myself buying a Switch for my kids and then having my own personal Switch, and it'd be really nice to be able to have those games play between those two systems. Well, but... (laughs) And yeah, I mean, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just not a lot known about the Switch at this point, which is kind of disheartening, you know? Um, I mean, I'm definitely planning on having it you know like i mean i'm excited to get it and i'm excited to play zelda and like you i i'm not too concerned about virtual console not being there at launch um i mean i've got plenty of avenues to play old nintendo games i mean i've got an nes classic edition i can play all the you know original nintendo games i want you know but i mean it also it it's just kind of it almost feels like the switch is being rushed to market even though there's no real competition you know i mean you've got the scorpio coming out in the holiday which i guess is competition uh so you know maybe nintendo wants to steer clear of that and get it in an earlier in the year but it almost feels like this this game this console is coming out kind of half-baked if you will well that's just the case though that's kind of more or less for uh tie-in with zelda in sort of way because they've had zelda on the back burner for so long in terms of development cycle that it just seems like zelda kind of forced their hand with this console to begin with because it's soon, because of how soon like the system is coming out and stuff, it seems like 
some of the features are not really as prevalent, like you were just saying. It's a virtual console. There's all sorts of other like type of little indie games too that are not like releasing on like uh, the launch date of itself. But at the same point, though, there are other console. I mean, the Xbox One, the PS4 too, can have had similar like sort of effects things where they haven't had a lot of the features that they've had like exactly a launch, which kind of felt they were rushed to just to get out because of how long the previous console cycle was in general but yeah yeah i'm but definitely the same seeing point, that. i agree with you <laughs> i i think they're still trying to get the xbox one uh dashboard you know right because it's still kind of a hot mess in my opinion i know a lot of people will defend it to the death but uh that that dashboard is a hot mess <laughs> yeah um, it is. but it's kind really of sticking with you know the whole Nintendo Switch being kind of rushed to market, if you will. There's been uh, issues that have popped up this week around, like I said, all these these uh, bigger you know sites and stuff have gotten their hands on the Switch early. And one thing that's kind of jumped out as kind of a trend, uh, it was kind of mentioned on Twitter a couple days ago, and then kind of it snowballed from there that all these people had, had confirmed that this was an issue, is uh, the left Joy-Con uh, when it's not docked onto the joy the 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 switch tablet, uh, but rather like in either in the Joy-Con grip or even if you're playing with in your hands, uh, will occasionally like lose sync with the system. Which you know, I mean, if you're using that left uh, analog stick to move, uh, say playing Zelda, and then all of a sudden it loses sync with the console, all of a sudden you're not moving, or maybe it's stuck moving in a certain direction. There have been a lot of people saying that that it's caused you know deaths, you know, when you're playing in a. I mean, in the grand right. scheme of things, how horrible is that that you, oh, my God, I died and you have to start again, you know, but just kind of disheartening <laughs> knowing that, you know, this this piece of hardware, um, you know, in certain circumstances will lose, you know, its connection with the console like that just seems like kind of a problem. Yeah, that is a problem, though. But at the same point, Nintendo could have easily probably remedy this if they had like some sort of patch for the uh, Joy-Con things, maybe day one or something like that, because yeah, other than so- that, though. Yeah. So that's the thing is is a lot of people are worried about or wondering if uh, this this particular issue, this flaw, if you will, can be patched, you know, fixed in a patch. Um, that's kind of been you know speculated that right. that well, I mean, Nintendo is going to have a day one patch because everything at this point has a day one patch. I think we were joking around before the show because uh, yes. we saw the the news headline that the Mass Effect Andromeda has a day one patch, and it's like, <laughs> well, why even mention that? Because everything today has a day one patch. I think it would be more newsworthy if it didn't have a day one patch. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are kind of hopeful that this is something that will be able to be patched out. Uh, in my mind, it kind of brought back memories of the iPhone 4 when it first came out. Uh, and oh, they yeah. were having issues with the antenna with it where it would drop calls like when you're holding the phone. And and Aww. I know early on that Apple had basically said something to the effect of, well, just don't hold the phone like that, you know. And <laughs> that seems like kind of a PR nightmare. And Oh, my gosh. Nintendo being the way they are, I could not, I mean, I could actually see them coming forward with something like that. Like, oh, well, you're yeah. just, you're just holding this thing wrong. Um, you know, I mean, we don't know if it's a, it's a major hardware defect or something like that. I know, uh, Jeff Gersman from giant bomb actually went through and rather than just complaining, oh my God, this thing is disconnecting. Oh, this is crap. He actually tried to experiment with it to try and figure out, you know, what circumstances this was happening and stuff. And for him, it was happening when he was like 13 or more feet away from the console. So we're talking, you know, a, a pretty good distance away, which it's not too, 
outlandish to to think that the console i mean one if you're playing in tablet mode if you're 13 feet away from that tablet you're not seeing anything anyway so it's it's on your television where it's going to be an issue and you know i kind of eyeballed where my switch is going to be sitting on my entertainment center and from where i sit pretty much anywhere in my living room uh, i'm going to be within eight or ten feet at the most from the console Um, right so hopefully if that is you know kind of the window of where that that happens i shouldn't have too much issue with that i could see maybe uh well once again because i'm taking my switch to with me to boston a lot of times in hotel rooms you know the television's on the wall on one side and then you're sitting in your your bed in the hotel room which i can see some of those distances getting pretty close to that you know 12 or 13 foot range which you know could pose a problem uh but i think under most most conditions i don't see that being a huge issue but it is kind of disheartening um but then you can you compare it to like the Wii U gamepad, which once again, you know, off the air, we were talking about that. But I can't walk into the kitchen, you know, 15 feet away from oh, no. from my Wii U without losing signal on that gamepad. So, I mean, it's, I guess, kind of to be expected, but it's also kind of a little bit disheartening, you know, to know that this this is an issue. Well, for my in my opinion and stuff like that, yeah, you know, these certain issues do pop up with like the launch consoles and stuff. But at the same at the same point and stuff. This whole thing with the Joy-Con thing, yeah, it's concerning that there are issues with the connectivity issue, the connectivity stuff in general. It just sounds like to me possibly that it could have something more or less to do with maybe the maybe like the signal strength of the connection, maybe something like Bluetooth related with the controller itself. You know, I mean, like you were just saying, though, with the experiments and possibly being how far away you have to be. I've seen some like video instances where people have actually gone through like have their hand over the sensor thing with the thing like, uh, you know, going through and not connecting as properly or just putting it behind your back or something like that. Just really close kind of proximity and stuff with uh, some of the syncing issues popping up. So you're saying they were still happening in in closer proximity just by almost like putting something, even your body in the way between the Joy-Con and the actual system itself? (laughs) Yes, from the video that I was watching of the, like from Game Explain and stuff, this guy that was going through playing with a Switch actually experimented to where he was. Uh, he had the orientation of like the control stick or something like that on the top or left hand portion of the screen, marked in sort of like a green kind of radar sort of thing. And so every time that he would move the joystick or something like that, if he had his hand over the Joy-Con itself, it actually was making it maybe a little less, like, uh, connecting-wise, you know, sort of, like, unstable. But once you put it behind his back and tried moving around, he pretty much lost Just signal. completely lost. Yeah, so uh, that, that menu that you're talking about, there's a calibration uh, yes. menu in the Switch. So basically what it does is it, it's a circle that when you're moving the, the analog stick, it kind of shows where you're doing it just to, to show the calibration between it, which is a really good way to test this out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of disheartening if it's, you know, either your hand and or your body is enough to in interrupt the signal from from a joy a Joy-Con to the the console. Uh, that's that's a bit disheartening, and we haven't heard anything from Nintendo on this. I kind of searched far and wide to see if there's any sort of official word from Nintendo on this because it has been you know such a widely reported thing now that you know you think they would want to get out in front of this considering the the console comes out on Friday and you don't want people to mass drop their pre-orders and everything like that right. because because of this, you know. So I'm kind of anxious to see what Nintendo has to say about it. Um, 
I believe if it, of, if it is something yeah. that can be fixed with a firmware update, you know, and, and maybe they're hard at work trying to figure that out. Maybe they can fix right. it with a firmware update and that's why they haven't said anything. Um, that's that's cool. Also, if it's something that is going to require some sort of hardware revision, hopefully Nintendo can do what they can to make that good with you know, consumers, the early adopters, you know, if they have to redesign the joy cons, you know, and, and put out a new iteration, hopefully, you know, those can be given to early adopters for free. You know, I, I know it'll be a significant cost for Nintendo, but I feel like, you know, these are the people who, you know, put their money down right at the beginning that they, they kind of yes. deserve to be, to be treated right. And not, you know, I mean, the cost of switch accessories being what they are, you know, it, it, it's kind of ridiculous if they expect you to go off and buy a new set of joy cons, you know, in order to, to take care of this issue. Oh yeah. I agree with you on that. I mean, I'm just hoping that this is like an, a, like an isolated issue where people or like with, with part of the press or something like that, like uh, possibly getting maybe some accidental malfunction thing of one specific joy con because it's, it's like it's only been the left joy con in and of itself and from what it seems like to me is maybe some of them had to do with connection issues like for how long like at place or something like that like uh, i'm trying to make sense right now i'm so fucking tired <laughs> just <laughs> just trying to know the connectivity issue just how far they are from the screen here and so forth and stuff but i just hope that when people get their switches and they start playing Zelda or something like that, but they don't have this type of issue, say, if they have it connected to that little dock or something like that inside the box. Yeah, yeah. So we're not we're going to hear a whole bunch of shit from a whole different bunch of people come launch day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, and see, that's the thing, too, is, like, my, my play case in the first week or so is literally going to be probably playing with this thing in portable mode because I'll be, you know, in in a airports and everything like that, you know, at the hotel yes. and stuff like that. So I don't imagine I'll be playing with it docked, you know, on the television much at all in the first couple of weeks. Uh, and that's kind of the, the important point, you know, when, when in the first couple of weeks that this game, this thing comes out, you know, it's got to perform because otherwise that's going to be a real big hit uh, PR oh, yeah. wise and, and everything else for it. Um, everything that I'm reading, I, I think I read somewhere that some people were having issues with the right Joy-Con as well, but everything huh. kind of really points to that left Joy-Con being uh, a big issue. Um, a lot of people are are saying that uh, they're switching to the Pro Controller when playing on the television, which is an mm. option, if you will, but also the Pro Controller is, too. is 70 bucks. And I'm not going to go off and run out and buy a $70 controller because the controller that comes with the, the console is is inadequate. Um, Especially if it's supposed to work right out of the box, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Also, I'm wondering, I mean, I, I don't imagine it necessarily has anything, uh, any adjustment on it. But, I, I mean, I'm wondering if the, the colored Joy-Cons, like, <laughs> I'm wondering if this is something that's specific to, you know, any particular type of Joy-Con. My, my particular system, I'm getting the one with the gray Joy-Cons. Um, I yeah. mean, I guess it's just wishful thinking on my part to hope that maybe it's just the colored Joy-Cons <laughs> that are having this issue. Um, I know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, though, because the a lot of the videos that I've seen, they are they have like the bundle and stuff with like the red and the blue Joy Cons and stuff, and having some of the issues. Yeah, that's but, what's well, uh, from what I've seen seems to be what's been going out to uh, to all of the the outlets is the the one with the two different color Joy Cons, the blue on the left and the the red on the right. Uh, but I mean, logically, I mean it logically it shouldn't be just the colored ones that are having this issue so maybe it's just right. uh, me me trying to uh shut off all the negative and and uh you know have a uh what is it uh 
buyer's remorse i'm trying to avoid buyer's remorse so like oh yeah no the gray ones will be fine it's the colored ones um but yeah hopefully they figure something out i, I really really think nintendo needs to get out in front of this and kind of make an official announcement um yes. like i said i mean the console's less than a week away and we haven't really heard anything from nintendo which is par for the course as you can tell from the last half hour of our conversation the nintendo is somewhat tight-lipped but uh, i think something like this could could really make or break the launch of this console and so they really yeah. need to you know kind of have an official stance on it and and come yes. out about it it's very important that they have something to like uh, squash this sort of signal strength sort of issue and stuff because even with like consoles have had some disastrous sort of things at their launches like say for example the xbox 360 with the red ring of death the overheating oh, yeah. of stuff at least microsoft was able to work with some of their consumers and stuff even if the console fixes weren't exactly that great, because yeah. that hardware in general was prone to fail anyway, we later found out. Well, yeah, and, but, and that uh, whole thing ended up costing Microsoft, like, billions of dollars to yes. fix. So yes. that's kind of a big deal. Like, I mean, I, I, granted, I doubt, you know, even if they had to replace all the left Joy-Cons in the world, probably wouldn't cost billions of dollars, but, oh, you know. Oh, no, like, no, no. Yeah, like, that's definitely something, but that that marred that console for a really long time. I mean... You know, the, the Red Ring of Death. I never owned an Xbox 360, but I I have friends who went through, you know, three or four of them before they finally got one that, you know, was able to, to stand the test of time. Um, I know. I but, can personally say I never did have a Red Ring of Death on whenever I did and owned a 360. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I still have my launch PS3, which a lot of people actually didn't have those last for too terribly long either. The Yellow Light of Death would go on those. But I'm lucky enough that my launch PS3 is still kicking. Um, yeah. But, I mean, but also, you know, we want to take it back to the 360. Even though those issues were happening where people literally had to go out and get two or three replacement uh, Xbox 360s, that console still kind of dominated that that generation of consoles. Yes, so, like, it overcame this issue. So that bodes somewhat well for the Switch, I guess, kind of? As, as long as it doesn't have any major effect on the actual Switch console itself besides, like, just the one, one defective Joy-Con, or maybe in this case, maybe two maybe somewhat defective joy cons yeah oh boy so like i guess it depends on where the the core of the issue is if the issue is with the joy con itself then a redesign might fix it whether or not nintendo offers a free replacement of the the joy cons or not you know that that could be an option i know the the pro controller hasn't been having this issue i don't know if the connection between the switch and the pro controller is different than the way the joy cons connect to the switch uh maybe it's something where the antenna in the switch itself doesn't you know uh, have enough power at which point in time maybe a firmware update can fix that maybe they can boost the the power of the signal coming out of the the tablet yeah. portion of it um, cause that is the switch. Uh, when you, when you think of the switch, that tablet is the, the system, um, the dock that it docks into for your television is really just a pass through. Uh, so the signal goes into that and then out to the television. So there's nothing about that dock itself that, that has any processing power in it all. Um, so it's all going to be in that tablet. So maybe, yeah, maybe they can do a firmware update that kind of boosts the signal coming out of whatever antenna, you know, comes out of that thing to, to communicate with those joy cons, which could have a negative impact on the battery life. Possibly. Well, yeah, but I mean, then, yeah. okay, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, possibly, you know, I mean, there have been some cases where like increased signal strength can be a strain on the battery and make it significantly less like, uh, last longer. Yeah, but I, don't know, I was just thinking about that because I had once again had, you know, we, we'd mentioned this earlier that uh, 
you know, it happens within when you're say within, you know, 15 feet, you know, outside of like more than 10 or 12 feet from the, the console. If you're playing with it undocked with the kickstand on, you're not that far away from the console. Um, so right. it seems like the use case scenario where this would happen would be where you do have it docked in the dock uh, playing on your television and you just happen to be, you know, more than 10 or 12 feet away from the actual docked switch you know, sitting on your couch, sitting on the bed, sitting wherever you might be that's, you know, that far away from it. Um, so at which point in time it should be connected to power. So there should be no reason why they couldn't make it boost the signal. Maybe they have it set up in the firmware so that it senses that it's under power and it just automatically puts out a stronger signal um, under those conditions. Uh, that could probably fix it. Once again, I'm speculating because I don't even know what's causing this problem. I don't even know if <laughs> Nintendo knows what's causing this problem. But it's kind of fun to brainstorm these kind of things. Uh, oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, do you have any more <laughs> thoughts on the thoughts on the concept? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, I pretty much said pretty much all that uh, I can think of at the moment. I mean, heck, we won't really know until the launch day comes out this uh, coming Friday. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully not we too know before then. But yeah, yeah. absolutely. um so yeah let's see we're looking at i've got an hour and 13 minutes recording here i mean it looks like it's going to shape up to be a short episode unless we want to talk about something else i don't i think i think actually that would be a good stopping point right at the moment i'm just gonna go ahead and just start closing things out so for all of you listening out there we do appreciate if you would like subscribe maybe leave a rating for our podcast because hey we would sure love to hear from you Anything, any type of ratings, any type of things would help us out in general. If you want to find us on Facebook, we are Drunk-Nerds. If you want to follow us on Twitter and see what type of happenings and stuff are going on on there, it's Pod. And we also do have like a Twitch channel itself. I believe it's Drunk Nerds as well. I think it's a Drunk Nerds podcast. There is a Drunk Nerds account, which is actually owned by... uh, by the podcast, but uh, the login information has been since long lost. So they created a new yes. one called Drunk Nerds Podcast. Yes, you are correct. That's what uh, Tyler's been going on and on about too with the past couple episodes. But I do know on the occasion that uh, Justin does like uh, some bits of streams whenever he finds the time. Tyler does a bit. I've done some on occasion, but more than likely, I <laughs> more than likely probably won't do any any time this week. So until next time, everybody, this has been another fun-filled episode, an unexpected episode of the Drunk Nerds Podcast. I have been your designated host, Colonel Gables. The the designated replacement host. (laughs) And I have been Troy. So until next time, everybody, stay frosty. Peace out. beers there anyways we're on itunes now so go on there check us out and if you like us leave us a review and we'll even shout you out and jack will send you his credit card number